All right. Hello, everyone. They say this pandemic is going to make us all either a hunk, a monk, a skunk, a drunk, or a chunk. I don't know where you're at in that scenario. A hunk, a monk, a chunk, a chunk, or a chunk. There you go. We're going to work on the monk part right now. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms watching. And I want to pray right out of the gate. I want to pray for moms. I want to pray for our nation. And I want to pray for some racial healing. So please join me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise that you are a God that transcends all of life's problems. You transcend the pandemic. You transcend our personal problems. You transcend anxiety. You are above it all, and we're so grateful for that. We confess to you our sins. We ask for forgiveness. And, Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for the moms who are on an extended stress level right now, dealing with a full-time summer going on right now, trying to educate, trying to keep up with the home and school and job and We just pray an extra blessing, and we thank you for all the moms, Father. Thank you. I pray for wisdom for our mayors, our governors, our senators, our representatives, our president. We pray, God, that you would help us walk through this together, that we would figure out uh, how to open, when to open, how to be safe. Uh, God, we trust you above all of this, but we pray for our leaders as, uh, as they guide us in this process. And Father, now for the, the racial events that are playing out, not just in Georgia, we know there's plenty of problems, not only just in this country, but around the world. I pray for racial harmony. The truth is the only thing that unifies people is the blood of Jesus. And so I pray that the Christians would be the one to step in and hold hands and bring healing that we would quit looking at skin color, but we would truly look at the heart of a person. Father, we pray for reconciliation and forgiveness and for justice to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are so glad that you've tuned in. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, rising profits today, which is a strange topic in the middle of this pandemic. But it's the story, again, we're working our way through the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha in this prophet series. And Elisha has been told he's going to be the successor. He's about to take over uh, for Elijah. And there's a strange deal that happens. We're in in 2 Kings chapter 2. And in this chapter, Elijah knows that God is going to take him to heaven. It is very similar to what we see in Acts 2 when Jesus is taken to heaven after the resurrection. Elijah is taken to heaven in a whirlwind of fire, in a chariot of fire. He's taken away, but Elisha is there with him to witness what God is up to. It's It's a fascinating story, and we'll get into that. But I was out with some some friends the other day uh, on a boat, and uh, one of the ladies on the boat fell overboard. I don't know. We have have a picture, and there was a shark. We got a good picture of the shark. Swam up, and we're like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be terrible. And the shark smelled her and then swam away. Do you know why? It was a man-eating shark. Now, you're right. You're right. That's, That's really funny. 
Then we've also we've got this problem in our neighborhood. I told you last week about the guy in the neighborhood. Got a neighborhood stealing iPhones. Stealing iPhones. No button. He won't, he won't mess with Androids. Only iPhones. Sooner or later, he's going to FaceTime. All right, you can't groan from your living room. You're too far away to groan. That's funny. All right. Here's what this story tells us. In 2 Kings, the story of Elijah and Elisha remind us of something we really need to know today. And that is that God is up to far more at all times than we could ever imagine. So if you're down right now, you're depressed, you're full of anxiety, uh, just the fear of the unknown. What's school going to look like? What's church going to look like? What am I going to look like when this is all over? Listen, listen. God is always up to more than you and I can ever imagine. When you read the book of Ephesians, it says God is able to do immeasurably more than you and I could ever ask, imagine, or think according to his plans through Christ Jesus. So regardless of where this thing came from, where the problem came from, God it says, you know what? Watch me work in your life, in the church's life. Watch me bring millions of people to Jesus through this. Because God's always up to more than we think is really going on. So here we go. If you'll stand out of respect for God's word, unless you're driving, we will we'll go through this passage, just the first 10 verses. We'll pick it up in verse 11 next week. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. this I've done all the research I can. How Elijah knew it, how Elisha knew it, how the other prophets knew it that would get to the... Nobody says... But they all knew that God was coming to get Elijah. And this has only happened once, so I, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you in the story they knew. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, just stay here. The Lord has sent me ahead to Bethel, the city of God. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and they asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know. So be quiet. Don't talk about it. Then Elijah said, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me. And, and he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, just for the record, Elijah ran a prophet school. He trained people in the word of God in Jericho. You go with me in October to Israel. If we get a chance to pull that off, we'll show you where his school of the prophets was almost 3,000 years ago. Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes. So be quiet. Don't talk about it. I don't know. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan River. 
Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided in two, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. We've heard this story before. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said this. Check this out. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for power. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. What you have with God, I want twice that. You talk about a bold prayer. You've asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I am taken away, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Let's pray. Father, open open our eyes as we take a look at this story. We're amazed at how you work, even when we don't know what's going on. So we're trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first thing we we learn in this story is you've got to be willing to travel. Now, right now, that seems difficult. In fact, I would give anything to travel. I'd go anywhere. I'd go plant a church here. Let's go to any country that's open. I'm ready to go. Uh, But that's not going to happen right now. Right now, it's across the street. It's next door. Uh, There's so many ways that we can still operate online. But you've got to be willing to go. The Church of Jesus Christ was meant to go. Somewhere along the line, we lost that in the American church, and we've come up with the idea that the goal of the church was to come and to sit, and that, yes, that's part of it, but even even in the coming and sitting, the purpose is to, to turn around and go and change your neighborhood, change your city, change your world. We were meant to go, to move. Jesus said, as you go, make disciples, Mark 16, 15. We usually only talk about this verse when we're referring to missionaries. Go into all the world, make disciples. It's not a missionary call. It can be used as a missionary call, but it is the message that Jesus gave for all of us as you go to the pizza place, as you go to the Chinese place, as you go to Lowe's, as you drive down the road and people are driving you crazy, as you go, make disciples. Now, you probably know, if you don't know, you can look it up, the great story of of a man named Minkow. You may not know the details. Here's his his picture. You probably will know the other name better. There's Minkai. Uh, But Jim Elliott is maybe the guy you might know. Minkai was a native in Ecuador who killed Jim Elliott. 1956. Movie, The Point of the Spear. There's a book, there's a movie. Uh, but I, I know what generation I'm talking to, so it's a movie. Check it out. You can, you can check it out online. So Minkai is a young man and... When Jim Elliott's plane lands in this creek bed to reach these unreached people with the gospel in 1956, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and a bunch of other folks were killed. Well, through a series of events, they found out that Min Kai was actually the one that killed Jim Elliott. What you may not know is that Jim's wife went back and ended up winning Min Kai to Jesus Christ. She went. She, she kept going. She won him to Jesus Christ. And this is the best part of the story. Some 30 years later, Min Kai, who's 
now a sold-out Christian, ends up baptizing Jim Elliott's son in that same river where he killed his father. Is that not an incredible story? But Jim Elliott is quoted, maybe the greatest quote in history. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What an incredible quote. And it's been used now for 64 years because of that event. Otherwise, you probably would never know about Jim Elliott. You would certainly never know about Min Kai, but there's an entire tribe there now that knows Jesus. The gospel continues to go out across that part of Ecuador because Jim Elliott said, I'm going to go to the toughest place in the world. He was willing to travel. In our story, Elijah said, dude, I don't know, it's a test or Elijah really doesn't want, I don't know. But Elijah says, I'm going to go with you. No, stay here. I'm going to go with you here. All right, we'll stay there then. And every step of the way, Elisha says, look, I'm not leaving you. Now, let me tell you what I think Elisha's after. Elisha is learning. Remember, Elijah has come and anointed him. And he knows he's going to take over Elijah's job. He does not want to miss one thing that God has for him. Is that where you are? Is that where I am? God, I don't want to miss one thing you got. That's why I'm in the Word. That's why I'm praying. That's why as soon as I find a verse that, oh, man, i got to start doing that. i got to start serving. i got to start giving. i got to go help with this. i got to go feed my neighbor. i I, I got to go deal with this issue because that's what Christians do. See, I, it's not how little can I do, how, how little can I worship. You know, the one question that popped into my mind this week was, I wonder... You know, I, I, I see all the posts on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. But I just wonder how essential Jesus really is in our lives. Is he really that important or is he an hour a week? Or an hour a month or an hour a quarter? I, I, I don't know. But I know this, that if you want to draw close to Jesus, you've got to be willing to travel. I will tell you that everything that I've learned as a Christian has been because I was willing to travel. Sometimes to another country and learn from another pastor in another country. Uh, sometimes it was talking to a guy at a golf course. I had a preacher one time. I called him. I said, listen, I just want to pick your, your brain. He said, big church. And he said, Joe, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 30 minutes. You meet me on the 18th green at this time. Some golf course about an hour away. I was sitting in the clubhouse. And he talked for 30 minutes. And I took notes. And I learned. I learned. I don't know how well I learned, but I learned. That's what we ought to want from God more than anything else. But you've got to be willing to put in the mileage because every great thing, I've never seen God do anything great. Well, where have you been to find that? You've got to go out and feed somebody. You've got to go help somebody that's in need. You've got to be there with somebody that's grieving. You've got to be praying with somebody that's full of anxiety. You're not going to get these experiences unless you're willing to travel. And Elisha said, I'm not going to leave you. And he stays with him. Now, this Jordan River thing, this is just a Joe thing. i got to tell you this, all right? This, this story is, yes, there's, there's three times we see waters parting, right? we got the Red Sea. When God has Moses raise up his stick, we're going to get to that story in just a minute. But then we've got 
Joshua at flood stage and they step into the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant and the, and the water opens up. And it opens up from the city of Adam all the way to the Dead Sea. Can I tell you there's a picture there? Are you kidding me? From Adam to death, there's the crossover. And right in the middle, Joshua, the water opens up. He puts those 12 memorial stones in the water, puts 12 more on the other side so that they'll never forget that spot. Can I tell you that that is the exact spot that Elijah crosses? And next week, guess what? When we get to the end of this chapter, after Elijah leaves, Elisha goes back and crosses at the same spot. Can I also tell you that is the exact spot where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And if you go with us, we'll baptize you in the same place as well. There's no coincidence in Scripture. The history is there. The archaeology is there. The geography is there. So if somebody's told you you can't trust the book, you better go back and take another look. So you've got to be willing to travel. But... You also have to think the way Elisha was thinking. And he, had, he wanted to watch what God was going to do. I mean, what do you do with this? Again, was he praying and he got a vision? Uh, I don't know. But somehow they knew that he said God's going to take Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha doesn't want to miss this. I'm amazed at how many Christians are okay I really wonder if we had the date, the time, the place of the resurrection, how many of us would have actually shown up to see it? The disciples didn't. So God's about to do something great. Elisha said, I'm not missing it. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to miss it. He's going to be there. The 50 other prophets, same way. They're going to be there. They're standing there watching. It all happens just on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So they cross from Israel into what is now modern Jordan. They cross that spot in the Jordan. And right there is where God sends fiery chariot. And he takes Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind of fire. Do we know where the spot is? Yes, we do. We know the exact spot where this miracle took place in Jordan. is again, crazy, but it's true. He wanted to see God do something great. But listen, if you want to see God do something great, you've got to put yourself in that spot. Now again, is it going next door to your neighbor? Maybe. Is it going to Peru? Is it going to Ecuador? Listen, our missionaries are still getting it done. They're dealing with all of this too. They're trying to feed people. They're trying to get medical help to them. We got Ben Brown down in Brazil. We've got our folks in, in Peru. We've got our people in Ecuador, our missionaries in Mexico, our team that's in Namibia taking care of 1,500 children. There's so many needs out there. And because of your faithfulness, We've not missed a payment to anybody. Every one of those ministries. Now, have they shifted focus? Yeah. They're like us. They're in survival mode. They're trying to keep kids alive. They're trying to take care of medical needs, feeding people, just the core basics. But with it, the gospel message goes with it. You want to see God's miracle hand? Then get out there and be a part of it. 
Again, cool story. I got another uh, check in the mail and nice little note and said, Joe, God's blessed me. Here's my stimulus money. I'm still employed. Use this. I got another note from a little young man who wrote me a handwritten note and said, Pastor Joe, miss you guys. Please use this. Had a $20 bill in it. All I can tell you is, young man, you just changed somebody's eternal destiny. That's, that's how cool it is. We got another story of a lady in our church. Uh, she's, I think, in her 90s. And she doesn't have an iPhone. She doesn't have a computer. But she loves her church. She loves the gospel. She loves Jesus. So her daughter gets online at her house on the computer, calls her mom, and the mom holds the phone to her ear and listens to our service Now, that's awesome. But here's the best part. Her biggest concern, you see, she's a part of our Monday morning peanut butter and jelly sandwich ministry that feeds homeless people. And her biggest concern this week was, are those sandwiches still getting made? And we were happy to tell her that, yes, the staff is actually doing that right now in social distancing. And we're doing all the stuff the way we're supposed to do it. But you want to see God do something great? Get out there and be a part of it. That's how that works. Here's what Moses, Moses is standing on the bank of the Red Sea. I don't have time to go into the Red Sea and the Reed Sea and all the stuff that was going on there and where it was. We'll do that another time. But yes, historically, I'll show you exactly where it is. But Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. Impossible situation, backs against the wall, nowhere to go, we're about to die, everybody's complaining, griping, whining. Moses said, stand firm and watch God work. That's where we're at right now. And then we get to this last part. We touched on this last week, and that is to pray big prayers. Listen. If you're praying to a statue, why, why bother? But certainly, why bother with anything big? But if you're praying to the living God, then pray for something big. What we're praying for is the church. We've not changed that. We're praying for 400 people to be saved this year through Tomoka Christian Church. Now, whether we'll be able to document all that, I don't know. If you need to accept Jesus, go ahead right now. Lord Jesus, I accept you. Now, we've got a long way to go. We've got to talk about repentance. We've got to talk about baptism. We've got to talk about discipleship and getting you connected into the Bible. We'll help you with all that. But who goes to heaven? People who've accepted Jesus. So start right there, okay? Pray that big prayer. Jesus, I accept you. Let's start right there. We're praying for 400 of you to do just that. And we're praying that we become a church of 4,000 or more when this year's over. Now, we had no idea all this was going to happen. We had no clue. But you know what? You want to know how little those prayers are? In Psalm 2.8, this is what God says. Ask for the nations, and I will give them to you as an inheritance. Psalm 2.8. Ask 
for the nations, and I'll give them to you as an inheritance. Listen, there's enough of us watching this feed right now. Pick a country. You take Saudi Arabia. You take Egypt. You take Alabama. You take Florida. You take Mexico. We'll divide up the planet. You just start praying and ask God to give us the nations. That's the kind of prayers we ought to be praying. Well, why do you say that, Joe? Well, you got plenty of false prophets out there saying, pray big prayers, ask for a Rolls Royce, ask for gold, ask for airplanes. That's not only not Christianity, that is sin in, in a huge, huge way. I cannot imagine standing in front of Jesus and saying, so you had a million, 300 million, 500 million, whatever. You had that much in the bank and you never thought about the kingdom? That's a whole other story. But that's not in how I intend to, to go out of here. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. When you pray big prayers, you pray God-sized prayers about God-sized things. All right? Elisha said, what I want is a double portion of your spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. I've had two or three great pastor friends. I mean, planted huge churches back in the 70s. And when they've died, I have claimed this very promise. I've begged God. Whatever they had, I want it. I want this double blessing. It's okay. I'm not asking. It's not about gold. It's not about money. I want their soul winning capability. I want their passion for you. I want their prayer. I want to have the connection with you. I want to be able to memorize scripture the way they were able to do it. Melanie Dolich, her dad was one of them, playing one of our worship, Melanie and Charles, our worship leaders. She's, she's on the, the piano. Her dad was one of them. I prayed when he died, Lord, give me a double portion. When's the last time you prayed something that big? God, give me. I got a friend, another pastor friend, Pastor Cliff. Give me Lithuania. That's his prayer. He wants to plant 12 churches, in one in each section of Lithuania. That's his prayer every day. Lord, give me Lithuania. What's your big prayer? What are you praying? It's got to start with you and Jesus. Let me go to this story. You might ask why I know this story, because like all of you have had a lot of time on YouTube, Facebook, there's a lot of stuff out there. But I came across this story about Steven Tyler and Howard Stern. Steven Tyler, lead singer for Aerosmith, Howard Stern, Shock, Radio, anyway, both of them not exactly uh, what you would call spiritual people. And this... This was the quote, okay? Stephen Tyler said, was, I think it was Howard's birthday or something, and Stephen Tyler said, Howard, may we have as much fun in hell as we had getting there. And Howard said, there's no doubt we'll be there. How tragic. Pray for them. Love for Stephen Tyler and Howard Stern to be in heaven. There are people worse than them. That'll be in heaven because they found Jesus. But there are people watching right now. You're thinking, I could never be saved. And maybe you've even said something that ridiculous. Let me promise you, hell will not be fun. You will be cut off from everything that is good. There is total blackness. There is eternal fire. 
And that you may think that's antiquated. You can think whatever you want, but hell is very real. And hell is a prepared place for unprepared people, while heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. So right now, you can make a choice. Heaven or hell. It's not about what you do. Or, well, I'm, I've already blown it. I'm a bad... No. You accept Jesus Christ. He cleans the slate. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Not of works that any man can boast. It is the free gift of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible incredible passage. Listen, we're getting ready to roll into our communion time, so I'm going to pray and we'll share together in communion. Father, right now, as we take the bread and the juice or whatever people have to represent that, we remember what you did on the cross. We thank you for your body that was broken, the blood that was shed to bring forgiveness to all of us. And as we partake, may you be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.